0: Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today's guest is Mike Fitch, the creator of Animal Flow Bodyweight System Training, and then also the president of Global Bodyweight Training, correct? Yes, mm-hmm. GBT. Uh, so I'll let Mike go ahead and introduce himself to the listeners out there. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Mike.
1: As you had mentioned, I'm a cancer. I like long walks on the beach and raspberry <laughs> sorbet. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, as you had mentioned, I, I'm uh, I'm an educator, fitness educator. Personal trainer, mostly known for the animal flow and the bodyweight athlete program. I'm I'm happy to be here. Happy to jump into some conversation with you guys. You look very relaxed, by the way. Did you buy that couch just for podcasting?
0: No, no. We had this beforehand, but it just happened to work out very nicely. The only thing that we're lacking is some paid sponsorship drinks right here. So these two couples have, so we're working on that. Hopefully one day. My personal preference is Phil's Coffee, if you've ever had that out here in California. That's my personal preference. I don't know if you have one yet. I'll get a beer right here. You're going to get yeah. a beer? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> some pli- maybe some Pliny the Elder from Pliny the Russian the River. Yeah, yeah. We, I wouldn't be uh, too disappointed in that either. Tell us a little bit about uh, when you started training, of course, did you start in the quote-unquote traditional sense as far as lifting weights is concerned? I did. It, you
1: know, I was I was fortunate enough to start with a gym a company that put a lot of emphasis on educating their trainers start with a company called Equinox. And so I was, I believe 19 when I first started started with that gym and I was lucky. And, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough to start with with that particular brand because, um, you know, you, you jump in, you jump in and, and it's an immersive experience. You know, you have to go through their education system. And so, you know, from the very get go, it was there was a huge emphasis put on continuous learning. I took that and kind of ran with it. And so I, I ran the, the gamut of understanding as many different styles of training as many different methodologies and approaches so to answer your question, I was certainly went through the traditional style of regular, you know, linear resistance training and, uh, got into Olympic lifting, got into some kettlebell training later on, uh, before I found body weight movement training. But yeah, so I started where most trainers do, where it was just, you know, lift, lift things and, and keep it pretty much sagittal plane dominant. And <laughs> that's your entire life for the most part. <laughs> do you still lift today? So I, I go back and forth I think I went five years, just body weight and and oh, then okay. I took about two years where I added in some external loaded, loading again. And then for the last probably eight months, I've been strictly body weight again. So I've, I've kind of gotten to that place to where I can you know, just feel intuitively what I need. And right now it's exploring my body practice again.
2: Do you ever feel like uh, lifting weights takes away from the bodyweight training?
1: So I don't know that it takes away, but what I can say is the reverse, which is whenever I feel like I'm very dedicated to a bodyweight practice, I feel like my strength with loaded training goes up. And so I I feel as if my connection and my proprioception and my ability to manage my body under load is much better.
0: That's something that is probably pretty hard for the average person to kind of identify with, huh? As far as being more in touch with themselves.
1: Oh, for sure, man. I mean, I, I think that is a very fair statement. I, I would imagine that most people are pretty disconnected from their bodies as a whole. And so, you know, you guys, if, if there are personal trainers or, or coaches watching this when someone comes into your one-on-one session or your class or whatever it may be your session may be, um, people are outside their bodies. They're just, you know, mm-hmm. their, their head is everywhere else but inside their vessel. And so it's really common to see that where even when you do get someone in the gym and they're outside of their body, meaning they're you know on they're thinking about work, they're thinking about the relationships, they're you know stress at home, whatever. It's interesting that we then get them into the gym or the studio or whatever, and we say, okay, now concentrate on moving this object from point A to point B, versus most you know versus. Um, encouraging them and challenging them to reconnect with their bodies first and then think about maybe moving some objects around.
0: We consider, I think the average person, average trainer, of course, would consider lifting weights traditional. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't body weight training be the traditional sense first? I think so.
1: I, I, I think it used to be. And, and you guys know uh, yeah. what's kind of hot in fitness goes through trends and it goes through waves and it goes through phases. And before... Weight training became really popular. Of course, it was much more focused on what could you do with your body, and so mm-hmm. then you would see a lot more uh, skills-focused training. So you would see people trying to acquire skills and body practice. And then, as weight training became more popular, you saw this big shift towards let's lift heavy things and get really, really jacked, and let's you know. And then the kind of bodybuilding culture came in, mm-hmm. and it was very. It was, I think the transition was very easy for most people to go, oh, wow, now this is fitness. This is what fitness looks like. This is what fitness feels like. This is what health looks like. And so it's. it was just an interesting shift. And then now we've seen over the past at least a decade where that shift is starting to come back. And that was with the popularization of street workout and calisthenics. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and then now we're seeing a lot more quote unquote, movement-based practices coming to light. And so I think we are seeing this shift back towards getting people involved with what they can do with their own system and, and how that Correlates or how that coincides with loaded system training as well.
0: And you had mentioned just a little bit earlier about people's body, like they're, as far as obesity levels affecting.
1: Yeah, you know, I
2: almost feel like people, they're so out of touch with their bodies. Starting with a body weight program, even when we regress the lever lengths, it's almost too difficult. So then, we need, to, we need to use some of this external load at really, really incremental levels just to get them prepped for body weight training.
1: I agree with you, Neil, for sure. And I, I'm also a big advocate of finding the right tool for the right person so so even though my practice is body weight training and animal flow if i were working with someone on a one-on-one basis i would use whatever tool i had in my toolbox that were appropriate for that particular client and so if i had someone whose body mass was so great that it didn't it wasn't manageable for their strength levels that would do a couple of things for me one it would it would say okay well this person has to be in this body 100 of their experience right now and so we need to make that a priority to focus on how they manage their weight throughout their day in their environment. And so even though maybe regressing is still too hard for them, I do believe that we can always find a regression to where they're working against their own load because they have the load uh, and then incrementally increase the challenge as they start to get stronger, maybe start to change their body composition. But I do agree with you that that we can certainly start to build strength and muscle, increase muscle hypertrophy through loaded training in conjunction with some body weight training that's manageable for them. So I fully agree.
0: If I were a parent and and I had a child who was getting into sports or, uh, and let's say they were about 14, 15, is a body weight program something you would suggest first?
1: I would, yes, without a doubt. I certainly would. And that's a, that's a really great question. And again, you know, someone that's in that developmental stage of their life, really, really, if you could give them the gift of encouraging them to learn more how to manage their body, again, I know I just said that earlier, but if if you could start with that emphasis being, this is priority, this is first, then they can get to the loaded stuff later. And by the time they get to that loaded stuff, Their connective tissue, their joints, their their soft tissue would be prepared, Their, their neuromuscular system would be primed to take on external load. But I think that would be such a gift to give someone at that age.
0: But how do we change that thought process in the general public? I mean how do we go about doing that to make it more mainstream as far as that type of perspective
1: i think collectively the consciousness around bodyweight training has certainly increased over the again like the past couple of years whenever you look at trends in the fitness industry you know i and i don't know the exact uh years for how it was ranked but bodyweight training was in the top three probably for the last five years and so there is an increasing awareness around it and again the the awareness is probably due to people seeing things visually. So like whenever someone watches, let's say, let's just take Instagram, for example, you know, when you're scrolling through and you see like someone doing a human flag or someone doing a freestanding handstand push up or a slow muscle up or something like that. It's like, wow, there's this wow factor there. We are like, man, that's I want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I I think that has brought a lot of awareness around body weight training as a viable source and uh, methodology for increasing someone, someone's capacity for physical abilities or physical skills. And so I think there is an awareness there. And to be honest, I think over time, it's just going to get greater.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like you live in this thing, right? And if you can't move, you can't do anything.
1: You know, the thing that really, that really inspired me when I first started getting into bodyweight training was this idea of to train to last and, you know, and self mastery. And every day that we're in our body, we should know a little bit more about it and how it works and how to relate to it. And, you know, when we're 50, 60, 70 years old, God willing, we live that long, um, we may not, no longer be into powerlifting or kettlebells or whatever, but you're still going to be in your body. Mm-hmm. And so how you've been able to manage your body throughout those years will really dictate your experience as an older male or female.
0: Do you see a difference in that perspective as a whole society from in different regions geographically? Uh,
1: you mean the difference between regions yeah. or uh, oh, like, yeah. do,
0: like does someone in. Do, do you think people in the in the Far East take body weight movement training? Uh, they put it up on a higher pedestal than, say, us in the, here in Western society. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. And, you know, it depends, again, on the region. But I, I do believe that in our Western experience, the idea of longevity is certainly becoming much more popular. And the idea of what we do today will affect who we are in the future. Whereas I, I believe in the Eastern part of the world, that is part of the culture and always has been. That you know, you you have to stay active. Movement is is such a huge component of life. Um, you know, you have to take care of your body. You know, like I don't know. I just feel like that's more more a cultural thing than we see in kind of Western society. So I do see a discrepancy between regions of the world for sure. So
0: some of your backstory, you did some break dancing with some b boys in New York City, huh? Uh,
1: yeah. So I so whenever I first started getting into Body weight training. I'll just let you guys know whenever I I turned 30 and actually I just turned 40 40 recently. So uh, this was 10 years ago. Whenever I first turned 30, I was lifting a lot of weights and I was probably 35, 40 pounds bigger than I am now. And I just, as much as I loved lifting weights, I just, I felt like there, I needed a change. I felt like I was just not really connecting with my system. So I decided to put down the weights and just explore body weight training disciplines and so I got into gymnastics got into breakdancing got into parkour and man guys I was I was fucking terrible at all of them and (laughs) so it was it was such an eye-opening experience because it really gave me the opportunity to go oh man I've been spending so much time working on my body and I have very little ability to work my body And so uh, I took inspiration from all of those things. Uh, Breakdancing was huge for me understanding what in animal flow we call movement windows. So if I have these points of contact with the floor and I uh, see an opportunity for motion to go through one of those windows, then how, what are the different ways in which I can take that opportunity? And so breakdancing was a huge part of the development of animal flow, as was parkour, as was hand balancing, and calisthenics, and gymnastics. And, and again, like I would never say that I, I ever became even moderately good at any of those things, but it gave me enough inspiration to, to look at all of those different disciplines and, and go, all right, well… There's so many things here that my clients could benefit from, but I don't believe that they're going to take go take an adult gymnastics class. So is there something here that I can create or put together that they can experience to get similar benefits? And so to go back to your original question, Dennis, I did hang out with a lot of B-boys for a while, and I had one really, really good coach in Miami, and then now in Boulder— Uh, There's a a really great local guy, Alex, who has a cool dance studio here called Block 1750. I'm about to start doing some classes there again, um, taking some breakdancing classes and and revisit that part that was so inspirational to me in the development of Flow. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that.
2: man. We have a buddy that uh, used to breakdance a lot when he was younger. And we were in the gym one day and uh, he was doing a handstand. I'm like, hey, can you do a a handstand clapping pushup? I was just completely joking around. He's like, I don't know. Let me try it. Goes up. Boom! Claps does it twice. I'm like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous, man. Just ridiculous. How much how much strength those guys have?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, the, I I think their athleticism is is underrated for sure.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of those videos, and I I, I think I, my same reaction. I just don't see how these people aren't valued in their physical capabilities. It's, it's like you said, they're so underrated. And I find myself sitting there going, how do people not see how amazing this is and how much strength they have?
1: It is absolutely mind-bending some of the things that they can do now and just how it's changed over the past 20 years. You know, it's, I mean, I'm watching some of these guys and, and I was just talking to him the other day. He's, he's like, man, there's some kids who are 14 to 17 who are doing stuff that none of the adults can do. And so you see where even the younger, like kind of this changing of the guard or even the guys that are coming up are their physical abilities are even greater. And you see that, you know, in in a lot of kind of extreme sports as well, where you see, you know, something that people once thought was impossible a decade later. Now you're seeing that it could be done twice or, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of one rotation, it's three rotations or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be, but it's it's so cool to see that evolution of any sport or any methodology or or any um any discipline so that's definitely one to watch and I don't know what it is where people don't realize how athletic it is maybe it's because the way that they're like dressed and their and their kicks and the the jeans and like I don't know man maybe it's just because they're not (laughs) flaunting their their bodies I don't know but it's it is a very athletic sport for sure.
0: I guess, that's a great point. I guess maybe because they're not wearing a jersey, is, there <laughs> no, is, that, is that what it is? You know, it's got to
2: be because you know, with uh, competitions like that, there's no there's no points, right? So there's no clear winner. It's uh, you have judges, so you can't really. I guess it's. I would think it'd be hard to tell because everyone out there is so amazing. Like, how do you judge who really wins this competition? Whereas basketball, you got to you have a clear winner. You know who has the most points.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well they do have they do have
1: breaking competitions where you'll have winners and then they'll have like categories. So one might be like power moves category. So they're there are definitely mm-hmm. definitive like winners or there can be depending upon the competition uh, or the event. But yeah, I, I think they're being judged on so many different things. So, you know, it can be a style component, it can be, you know, again the power component. Like there, there are lots of different parameters in which they're being judged on. But but yeah. But anyways <laughs> I highly suggest that you guys get into break dancing. That was my point of this. Time. Well,
0: I, I tried it. Well, being 48, it was, I was about 10, 11 years of age when I, oh geez, breaking came out and yeah. and all these movies. And so of course I gave my best shot at it and yeah, I wasn't very good. I can do the coffee grinder. That was one. I nice. did that uh but everything else i just i had issues with i just but the, yeah i never got into you the, never got into um, breakdancing no, i'd love to but i just i never got into it
1: <laughs> so the coffee grinder that's like a great one to just break out at weddings so that way people think <laughs> that you know how to break dance i haven't done Are a coffee
0: grinder in like 30 some odd years i can't even imagine trying to do one right now oh uh, that's funny <laughs> so, but your parkour now, when I look at parkour, I think for me personally, the jumping in the heights thing would, of course, you're not starting there. But right. what were, some, were there any mental obstacles as far as tre- trepidation when you started getting into parkour? Definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I started at a gym called Miami Freerunning. It is, I think it's still around. It's an amazing gym and great coaches. And, you know, they build out those parkour gyms and they're so cool. You know, they, they'll like put graffiti on the walls and they'll like make, uh, I know some of those guys make like a, like almost Mario Brothers style, you know, sets where you can, you can practice your parkour. And when you go into a, the gym environment, you have pads, you know, sometimes you have foam pits, sometimes you have, you know, a lot more safety Build out safety-focused build-outs, whereas when you go to the streets, you just don't have that, and yeah. so it's just concrete and ledges, and you know, it's it's very very sketchy, and that that was part of the excitement. You know, I, I grew up skateboarding, and so I'm I'm no I'm no stranger to busting my ass on concrete <laughs> or pavement, <laughs> but um, I think that decreased my fear response a bit and mitigated it a bit, mm. but uh, still, I mean, whenever you know you're 30 years old 35 you know your risk reward relationship starts to change you know and especially if you're working as a personal trainer you're like man i if i get hurt and i'm out then that's going to seriously affect my income and so there there certainly is that fear component there and again that that is also part of the adrenaline that is part of the 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 draw, I think, for people who really like and enjoy parkour and practice it a lot.
0: Surfing is the other thing that I know you like to do, which I haven't personally done yet. Have you ever surfed? A couple times in Hawaii. Have you really? Yeah. yeah. Not, I'm, I mean, I'm terrible, but I,
2: I got on a longboard. I got up and I was that was about it.
0: I have yet to try it. I've heard it's absolutely incredible, though. It's it's awesome. So, how was your experience doing that? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I really enjoy surfing. I think if you grow up really dedicated to any board sport and not that they'll all translate but I think there is a bit of carry over there so even in the way in which you stand on the board or the direction in which you stand which foot is forward. So uh, since I've been in Boulder I've really been able to experience snowboarding a lot more than I ever had in the past and Mm -hmm. so that's been a huge learning experience for me and something that's been really cool to dive into And, and, and again you know the skateboarding a level of comfort for surfing and then surfing of course Paves level of comfort for snowboarding. I, I think that's always very interesting when we're looking at how skills translate. And you know, whenever you see somebody that's very athletic in one particular sport or one particular practice, it doesn't always mean they're going to be so fluid and athletic in another practice or sport. And and quite quite commonly, they don't translate as much as you would think. And so that, that goes back to what we were talking about with the body practice. Whereas if I do see where if you have someone who, let's say, has a practice that is about being body weight based. So let's say they're a dancer or let's say they're a martial artist. Then I do see that from one body weight practice to another, there is a, a higher carryover in my experience than maybe, let's say, one sport to another. To where it 's you know the difference between stick and ball or ball or you know so so I do see that in body weight practice, there is quite a high carryover from one practice to the other, although that 's not always the case
2: yeah, I found that with martial arts because you 're working on so many different qualities with power speed coordination, flexibility, strength that you tend to see people with a with a martial arts background able to you know, get into these sports and not that they're going to be elite at them, but they can do everything. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's, that's interesting. You mentioned that, Neil, that's one of the things that we talk about in whenever we're talking about our three building blocks or main concepts with animal flow is, one, increasing the communi- communication and connection of the human animal. And that's what we were talking about earlier is about inviting people back into their bodies. And We found that one great way to do that is by putting hands and feet in contact with the floor. Uh, the second one is creating resilient bodies. And the way that we do that is by making them move through multiple planes of motion at multiple joint angles. And then last one is filling in the deficits of their physical abilities or uh, motor capacities or, or mo- you know uh, biomotor abilities. So when you're looking at that spectrum of, strength, power, speed, endurance, coordination, flexibility, mobility, stability, you know, if I have a a CrossFit athlete on this side of the spectrum, you know, he's probably focusing on a couple of those biomotor abilities, you know, the strength, the power, the speed. If I have a yoga practitioner on this side of the spectrum, they're probably more focused on the stability, flexibility, mobility, and so we use Animal Flow as a way to bridge that gap. And, and start to fill in some of those deficits that may exist in that person's training program or in their day-to-day life and so like you said martial arts is a great way to build a lot of those biomotor abilities as well as you know gymnastics like both of those things to get into as a kid it just lays such a solid foundation to work from for the rest of your life I believe
2: did you study any um, like traditional like Chinese martial arts where they do
1: have uh, animal
2: type forms for any inspiration so, yeah.
1: I'm going to take that and segue with that just for a moment. Um, whenever we're looking at the animal locomotion that we use in Animal Flow, I always say the name is is misleading a bit, I think. It's a little bit deceiving, and it's called Animal Flow, this program, but it has very little to do with actual mimicking of animals, you know, like we do have animal locomotion patterns that we use in our animal flow practice. And I was actually turned on to those through my time in parkour. So that was my first introduction to animal locomotion. <laughs> and whenever I was watching some of these patterns and experiencing some of these patterns, it became so evident to me that just by us mimicking these animal patterns, we could put our bodies in these positions and give me, get, and, 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 and challenge someone with these coordinations or motor responses that will elicit a change in their body or a change in which they move, a change in which their body communicates. And so there are so many cool benefits to this mimicking of animals. But again, it's not about the animal. It's not about finding your spirit animal or which animal you identify with. It's, it, it is really about how we improve the communication of the human animal and that's it you know and so i think it's, it's always interesting when people ask me what animal flow is you know and they always come with me come at me with those questions like is it like am i going to be barking like a dog an hour? <laughs> <laughs> and so i'll usually go visual first and i'll just say you know look if you're if you're to see it if you're to see someone practicing animal flow it would look like probably Yoga meets breakdancing meets modern dance or gymnastics or something like that. And then if they want to learn more about it, then that's where I'll start getting into those those main or our our primary concepts behind the program. And then also always explain that it's more about the human animal than it is about walking like a bear or <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> my yeah, because my first encounter meeting you was in Colorado at Steve Capo's place. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you did a workshop there. And right away, I was like, Oh, I I dig this. This this, this is great stuff. So it was really great to be able to get back to moving everything. And so that's what inspired me to then go and take the level one course. But yeah, so I I really enjoyed it right off the bat, especially for being such a former meathead. I, I looked at it as holy shit, I wish I would have been doing this years earlier. I think one of my biggest regrets is quitting gymnastics at such a young age and getting out of that.
1: So that was the that was the rock tape, somehow, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah was Quite sure. a while ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a while ago. I saw you guys recently had 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 Steve on, correct?
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Capo. Yeah, we had him on, so he's uh, he's always fun to talk to. Full of great information. The thing that uh, I think I'd love to get parents getting their kids more into that bodyweight calisthenic style training first before they start throwing them into the gym culture as far as box gyms, uh, because yeah, that to get the the kids to develop in a more natural sense, so to speak, without having to just keep loading them and loading them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And and then it, you know, like you just mentioned, Dennis, so so whenever you're looking, you know, when you say, man, I wish I would have stuck with gymnastics because now you can see the benefit of it so many years later, right? And so, I think one of the keys maybe, for kids, and we're, we're, we we're will be putting out an Animal Flow Kids program, our oh, certification nice. program pretty soon, uh, because we see the need and the potential for, for a program like Animal Flow, really any program that gets people on the ground, uh, kids especially, gets them on the ground and really really gives them more awareness of how they can manipulate their body in space and how they can perform these motor tasks that we call these animal flow movements. And again, what it's doing is it's, it's setting such a great foundation for them to work from. And, the other part of that is adherence, right? And so if, if you got out of gymnastics because you thought it was too restrictive or you thought it was, you know, maybe it was just not, not gelling with you at the time, maybe if you would have gotten into something else at that time, right? So maybe if you would have gotten into another body weight practice, you may still be in it now or it may have, you know, changed your trajectory in whatever way. Not that you would want that now, but um going back to that thing, you have to enjoy it. So adherence is all, all about your enjoyment factor. And so you, know, you can have the best program in the world as an adult, and if you hate that fucking program, you're not going to do it. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Man. You're very true. Very true. You have to enjoy what you do. I think that's kind of something that a lot of coaches battle with. And, and I was guilty of it before, knocking all different systems because that's not good for you or that shouldn't be good for you. But I think we're overlooking the fact that when somebody gets into a system or gets into a modality and they really enjoy it, that's the first and foremost thing I think we have to put first.
1: It's, it's the greatest truth, and it's not one that a lot of people in our industry want to accept, but it's whatever makes someone be more active, that's the thing that's best for them. And it can be anything, man. And, and it's so easy to talk shit about other approaches and other methodologies, but it's like, yeah, that might be great for the right person at the right time in their, in their, uh, journey. But for someone else who just can't see the benefit from it because they dislike it so much, then it's not going to do anything for them. And so, you know, you take something like Zumba, you know, I mean, if, if, if someone likes to dance and they didn't even realize they love to dance and they're getting <laughs> their cardio or they're getting their movements in through dance and they weren't doing anything before, then that's fucking awesome.
0: Right. Like, great I, for them. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, we, we as an industry, we we knock on people for being lazy and not doing anything. And then they start to do something and then we knock their choice of of what they decided yeah. to do. So it's until it, you start working with them, then you're like, yeah. all right, this is this is the right way. So <laughs> the general public's like, what the hell? You know, I mean, you told me to get off my lazy ass, then I went and did this, and then you told me that's shitty for me. So what do you, what do you <laughs> want me to do? So I can see where the general population looks at us as an industry and kind of like, what's going on over there?
1: You know, I, I think the greater message needs to be, or should be, in my opinion, go try a lot of different things and just see what resonates with you. And so, you know, if, if you're going from zero, when I say zero, I just mean that your entire existence is work and then couched. And then you decide that you enjoy walking and you walk once a day for 30 minutes and then that turns into 60 minutes and then maybe you start jogging after that. Awesome, you know? Or maybe you go to a rock climbing class and immediately you fall in love with that or maybe it's touch football or, you know, like... I mean, there's so many things, so so why not just try a lot of different things? If you're someone who is sedentary, just try a lot of different things and see what works out for you. You know, it's always funny, people are like, well, I need to get in shape before I do this thing, you know? <laughs> I need to get in shape before I go see a trainer. <laughs> really? Why? You know, yeah, I need to get bad. in shape before I go and try to do this, and it's, you know, of course, there is there are prerequisites to something, if, if someone's like, oh, I want to go do trapeze, there might be some prerequisites <laughs> to that. <laughs> Um, But, you know, for the most part, it's just whatever gets you in the door. And then once you're in the door, it's, you know, you get to make the decision. Do I want to continue to do this or look for something else?
0: You can't do anything without passion. Like you have yeah. to be into it. And if you don't have that passion for it, then, then you're never really going to fully buy in and you're never fully going to get the most benefit out of what it is that you're, you're doing at that time.
1: Right. Because then it's just, I have to do this thing because I was told I have to do it and, and I have to, I have to slave through it or I have to, you know, begrudgingly go and do this thing that I hate doing, but apparently it's good for my health. You know, versus like, oh, man, I love going to do this thing. I can't wait to do it again. The, the side benefit from it is health, longevity, movement, you know, whatever.
2: And then you also build a nice community. You know, you make friends and it's uh,
1: you, you just want you want to keep going back all the time. For sure. That innate desire that, that is within us as humans to be part of community is huge. It's undeniable. And whenever you find a community of people who also have that similar love affair to the thing that you're really into, man, it's like it's an instant connection. And then that also keeps you coming back, like
0: you said. What was the first time when you came after you created Animal Flow when you started to go international?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, whenever, let's see, and I'm really bad with timelines. So, my business partner, <laughs> Karen, is way better. I, I could be like, oh yeah, three years ago, it should be like that was nine years ago. I'm like, nine years ago, same <laughs> thing. <laughs> I am terrible with timelines, but I can tell you, say we whenever we first started with Animal Flow, I had I had put the program together and I was testing it out with a lot of the clients. I was working at this this very cool little private gym called UFIT as a bunch of local trainers who had been around in Miami for a long time and that's kind of where I was putting the system together and then I was testing it out with a lot of with everyone's clients, and so I was doing animal flow classes and seeing what worked and what didn't and so we eventually put together our first DVD and started selling it online and it did surprisingly well and so I was like, wow there seems to be something here that's resonating with people at this time in our you know history of, of exercise or fitness or whatever and so I decided to then make a make a certification out of it and After getting accredited by some of the other certifying bodies, like an ASM and an FCA, uh, I started holding workshops. And and, and again, this is a great primer because I I would love to hear your experience as well. And I'm sure the listeners would also. But um, once it was a certification, the first workshop I did, I had one person. And I was just happy to have that one person, you know, and then the workshops continued to grow from there. And we went to a year exclusivity with Equinox, the the company that I mentioned earlier. And uh, that really gave me the opportunity to hone my skills as a presenter and educator. And I I taught so many workshops back to back to back to back. It also really increased my experience on traveling uh, as a presenter. Remember travel? (laughs) <laughs> but um, after we, we finished our exclusivity with Equinox, we then brought on some mass, what we call master instructors who can also teach the certification. And so we had three master instructors in the States and then one master instructor in the UK. Right. And so we would, I would go into other countries and do the initial round of workshops. And then usually we would send our UK master instructor, Rich, to either do more workshops in that area once we had established the brand, or um, he would then sometimes go and launch the program in different countries. And so after that, whenever we started to build the awareness or whenever the awareness around Animal Flow continued to build, depending upon how the growth was in each country that would dictate if we needed to bring on a new master instructor in that country. And so mm-hmm. if it was no longer made sense financially to send somebody in to teach in that country, we would then find someone in the country who was already an educator, usually for other similar programs. And then we would, we would then see if they were there. They, there was a, a fit there for them to be an MI for animal flow. And so once we started doing that to where, uh, and we were very selective, we've, like i said we've been around for 10 years and we now have our 19th master instructor and so so we're we're very selective and we're we're not trying to grow our mi team because we feel like that that potentially dilutes the message. And so, um, so, but anyways, to go back to that, that question, it must have been probably five to six years ago when we really started to expand our master instructor team. And then that really increased our ability to reach more people on a global level. And so now I think we have probably 12,000 people that gone through the workshop oh, over wow. the past 10
0: years. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, very nice. This year before uh, pre,
1: pre-COVID, <laughs> I think we had 250 workshops scheduled. We had to scramble a bit and learn how to offer the workshops online and see if that was actually something that that our, our people or potential attendees would enjoy doing. And we found that it was, it was quite successful, actually. And then now we're doing some hybrids where... For some of the countries that are able to get into bigger groups in one spot, uh, like China, for example, we'll have, uh, you know, let's say 20 people in one room, and then we'll stream in and project one of our other master instructors, and then we'll have usually two uh, local assistants that are what we would consider to be level two assistants mm. um, on hand in person there in the workshops. And so it's kind of a hybrid thing. So it's been very interesting figuring out how to continue to navigate uh, the current landscape. It's also been a bit exciting in, in a way, I have to say, because it's, you know, from a business standpoint, and i again, I'd love to hear you got you, your perspective on this. These are the things that we run into, you know, is how do you, how do you adapt, to change how can you be pliable and malleable and how can you pivot very quickly. And, and so much of that comes back to the efficiency and communication of your team. At least that's been my experience.
0: Well, so Karen's your, your business partner, she manages. the. So
1: uh, Karen's my business partner and she, we have a very, yin yang yin yang uh, relationship where you know she's good at all this shit i'm really really bad at (laughs) and so i I believe that every creative person really needs really needs that person who's good at all the other the details you know who's good who's good at, at the logistics like all that other stuff uh but she so she was has been incredibly valuable and she is such a smart person brilliant and then we also have the rest of our immediate staff who are not our teachers, but they have they play different roles, whether that be our our, uh, our web guy or that our um, advertising person. So so we have a, a very good team. And like I said, the, the key has been communication throughout all this.
0: I know when we started to get some international stuff building up, Mike was the first guy I just, on a whim, I reached out to you and said, hey, I know you work internationally. Would you be able to share some your knowledge and and you reached back and you had no idea who I was and you said yeah sure I'll I'll jump on the phone with you and you were in Costa Rica when you took that call which I was like (laughs) holy shit this dude is on vacation and he's taking time so dude always appreciate you for that brother appreciate you big time and so that's when I knew I was like okay I've got to get on the phone with somebody that understands all this business stuff that I have no concept about. Because doing business here in the States is one thing, but then once you go beyond your borders, that's a completely different ballgame.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to say, I, I, I knew at some point during this conversation, I would have the opportunity to just say, guys, congratulations, because it's been very cool to watch... Mobility grow not only in the states but also around the world in different countries and you know you guys have done so many things really really great and it's been cool you know I'm, i'm proud and honored to be part of that process and you guys learning how to grow your brand uh but you've just done so many great things as far as like even the design even the colors like like i just i just want to applaud you guys for everything that you've done over the past couple of years
0: since we've made connection and so
1: well, thank well, you. Done. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. And so, we've
2: got some good business partners too that, you know, are really really good at stuff that Dennis and I, you know, have no idea what to do with.
1: Well, and that's you know that's such a huge part, right? Is having the 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 right partners. And so to go back to what you were saying, Dennis, like learning how to navigate other countries can be so difficult because every country is so individual with their tax rules and laws and and so and I and you guys are on a totally different level than Animal Flow because we're all intellectual property, right? So there's not a physical thing that we're distributing like you guys are, and so there's even more. I know there are even more challenges around that uh, distribution, and it really does come down to the partnerships. So in a lot of a lot of in not all the countries that we we work out of, but in a lot of the countries we do have partnerships with other uh, either educator uh, educator companies or facilitators or other brands that work with similar brands to ours and so finding the right partners and it doesn't always pan out like we've had a couple of bad partnerships
0: for whatever reason and this is always baffling business should be very simple i i think people like to complicate things for whatever reason but business is set up especially for partnerships and relationships everybody should win it's just finding out what agreement is going to allow every party to win. It's just unfortunately, for whatever reasons, some people think that they need everything.
1: Yeah, we have a really strict rule when it comes to doing business it's It's quite complex. It's uh don't work with shitty people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, well, sometimes well, but the thing is is sometimes you get burned to find out that that was a shitty person, and that's hundred percent
1: hundred percent and that's that's what I why I said earlier, sometimes we had had chosen the wrong partner in the past, but that's part of the learning experience. And you you know, it can't be smooth sailing all the time. You're gonna hit some bumps for sure. And that's how you learn. And so, you know, but again, if it feels like a struggle, so if you're in a partnership with another brand or another company, and it feels like you're always pulling teeth to get things done, it may not be the right partnership for you. And then knowing when it's okay to walk away is another huge learning, you know, lesson learned for sure.
0: And that's a big thing is learning when to walk away because you can't stay in that. You have to be able to break the ties, move on and find another opportunity or another business partner. So that is definitely something uh, for any listeners out there that are running businesses or have business partners, mm-hmm. business relationships, always keep that at the forefront of your thought process. It's inevitable. I mean, no business partnership or relationships ever go 100% smooth, like Mike says. said. You're going to find those rough waters, so you have to know when to cut ties. It's just, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had, we had some really interesting things. Uh, we, we had this great lawyer, and he told us from the very beginning, he kind of mapped out these are the things that, that you can expect. And one of them was you're eventually going to get sued by somebody. and so uh, it was a harsh reality and that eventually happened I can't actually talk about the details of it uh, other than it was around our trademark and so it it was it ended up costing us a couple of hundred thousand dollars over a couple of years and whenever you're looking at a startup independent company that doesn't doesn't have any investors you're losing a couple hundred thousand dollars you're hemorrhaging money like you're you know you're eating ramen noodles for a couple you know a couple months <laughs> like you're you're trying to figure out how to make it work and so I I don't know and I know I know I was listening to to your podcast with Dr. Emily uh earlier today and I know you guys talked a lot about you know branding and being an entrepreneur and I don't know if everyone that wants to be an entrepreneur, especially in the fitness space, knows how much goes into creating a brand or creating a system and, and creating a team around that? It's a 24 hour a day, seven days a week kind of thing. And especially if you're used to the, the one-on-one personal training space where basically if you're not training, you're not really working unless you're programmed. That's, mm-hmm. not, the same, that's not the same deal whenever you're, you're trying to you know, run your own brand, it's a totally different story. And so sometimes you hit those obstacles like a lawsuit or sometimes, you know, especially in the, the distribution world, sometimes the, yeah. the product doesn't make it there in time for a seminar or there's just so many things that, that you don't even think about until they're right there in front of
0: you. Do you find that uh, new business or people that want to get into business, want to be an entrepreneur, do, do you find that they underestimate how much effort time and money wise it it actually is needed
1: without a doubt a hundred percent and that's another one of those things where you don't know until you know and so you know if i think if everyone knew there would probably be a lot less entrepreneurs (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) so you know if they if they could see what they're getting into they'd be like fuck that i I do not want to do this i do not want to do this (laughs) It's like
2: in year 7 so <laughs> this is when you yeah, exactly. when you'll do something
1: <laughs> exactly exactly it's so funny how you hear these you know overnight stories like these overnight success stories and that's discounting the 10 15 20 years of preparation and, and all the things that, that went into the process of creating that thing that eventually becomes a physical or, you know, or a concept or whatever it might be. People just see the end product when it actually is something, you know, when it, when it does create revenue. And uh, there's just so much more that goes into it behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I know with our team, I mean, it's no one's really off. <laughs> it's always, you know, like you can send an email at any time. You can send a text at any time because we know that like our, our team is so integrated that they're always working in one way or another. And we, we have to really encourage them to be like, OK, today's, you know, take what's your day off or your two days off or make sure that you're t- taking your weekend and Those are things that uh, I know. I, I know Karen and I have to challenge each other to do because it's so easy to just work every hour that you're awake because there's always shit to do,
2: yeah, especially with you know social media and and you know yeah. answering questions, handling that stuff, and making sure that's going smoothly. Yeah, it's a uh, it's twenty four seven. Oh,
0: it's yeah, uh, it's twenty four seven. And
1: then managing the energy in a way in which you're doing things that that replenish those those buckets right and so like if you work at that intensity especially when you're doing online stuff it's so easy to get burned out and then your productivity just drops, you know drastically and so finding the time to i don't know whatever you're into you know spending time with your family or or going out on a hike or going on a bike ride or just like getting that that ability or meditate you know, taking rest days, like getting that, that opportunity to like replenish the system and the body and down-regulate the system. It's just it's so important. And it's, I, I think people don't realize it until it's too late quite often.
2: What's your go-to
1: thing right now? I mean, I know there's no snowboarding right now. Right? No, it's, it's, I think in between 80s and 90s right, right now here. My, my go-to recently has been, so I, where I'm sitting now, I can see the mountains and so my go to recently has been I mean I can be on a trail in 10 minutes. And oh, so even cool. if I just have 45 minutes yeah. I'll, I'll go hit a trail and just go get into nature real quick and then oh, come back. Sure.
0: I think that's one of the beautiful draws of your area. Colorado is just it, it's it's awesome. I mean what a what a great state it really is. Yeah.
1: There are a series of trails uh, right behind my house that I'm 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 just working through now, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in this area. I mean, Boulder has so many trails; it's just it's mind-boggling. And so I, I always talk to locals and like, oh, have you done this trail? I'm like, I didn't even know that was a trail. And so <laughs> there's. There's endless opportunities to do things around. Yeah. Right?
0: So you just did a photo, a video shoot, right? So you, Yeah, so we just finished up our most
1: recent, what we're just calling our promo video. So the last time that we did, like, we did an Animal Flow promotional video was probably six years ago. And so we just felt like it was time. And we've been filming a lot recently because we have an Animal Flow on-demand channel. And so we have classes and flows and tutorials. And so we film for that channel probably every month or every six weeks or so and so the production team that we work with is just fantastic they're called earth coast and we decided to just get together with them and brainstorm and figure out some really cool areas that we could shoot in if we have since we're in colorado and so we found this really great mountaintop where we had a group of other uh, practitioners Uh, we did a group group shot and then we had There's a place called Great Sand Dunes uh, National Park, which is about a four hour drive from here. And we went there and shot some footage there. And then we also did a in-studio shoot where they built out this like one inch deep water pool and it's all blacked out. And and so we did some really cool stuff there as well. So I'm excited. They just sent us a teaser today. And
0: I was like, well, it's exciting. (laughs) Those shots in the water are sick. What you posted on social media. I was like, those are sweet they look fantastic so that's a great company that's i love the shoots the picks early picks that was awesome and, and the ink pops the, your new ink is popping on your back bro that, is, that looks fantastic <laughs> Thanks, i was like those colors look great man can, Lance
1: talent at boulder inc he's the man sorry Neil. oh yeah Oh no. Yeah. Uh, where can people
2: find this channel so you, you said it's on demand is that on your website or is the is it
1: Do they have an option on YouTube? So you could access it on your smart TV, you can access it on your laptop or desktop, and then also there's a corresponding app as well. It's a subscription site, so you can find it at at animalflow.com. And then from there you can use, access it however you'd like for the most part. And um, that's been really cool. I mean, we started that, I don't know, maybe nine months ago. So we had just launched that platform, you know, probably I think three or four months before everything kind of changed. And so to be already in that digital space, where we were offering a subscription platform, uh, it, was, it was really, it was good timing, I have to say. It was really beneficial to already be there and not be scrambling to try to put something up
0: mm-hmm. later. Very true, very true. Well, we know you're a busy man, so we'll let, uh, we'll let you go. It was a great conversation, Mike. As always, it's a pleasure to chat with you, brother. The information is always good. Conversation is fantastic, so we appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. And uh, before Thank you leave, you uh, do you want to make sure you give the listeners all your social media handles and where they can find you?
1: Sure. So, as I mentioned before, animalflow.com is our, our website. And then, uh, Animal Flow Official is our IG. And then, Mike Fitch AF is my personal IG.
0: So, there you go, listeners. So, if you don't know who what Animal Flow is or who Mike Fitch is, be sure to check him out. Be sure to check the system out. You'll, I think you'll love it. Give it a shot, check it out. I think you'll dig it. So, thank you, Mike. Again, love you, brother. And then uh, we will have you on soon again for sure. Cool, right, buddy. Much love that. And, back. Then, uh, and who guys. knows? Maybe in a couple of years, I might be not too far down the road from you.
1: Excellent. I hope so. Right? I well, feel like everyone's you. moving to Colorado, man. I and hope you, I hope you make it.
0: Everybody's moving to Colorado, right? It's 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 a it's an awesome state. So yeah, I know a lot of people are leaving the Bay Area right now yeah yeah Island. for sure yeah they're yeah. starting to migrate out so it's kind of like yeah but uh yeah I, I i dig colorado it's uh it's a state that i can definitely see myself and my and my wife also we can definitely mm. see ourselves living there for sure so all right brother you take it's care of you man thank right, you, you guys very much too. and Great to all the to listeners you. out there be good to each other